Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We can get excited about Jesus saving, can't we? And when Jesus saves you, he changes your life. Everywhere he changes your life. If you have your Bibles, open them to Colossians chapter 3. You put on the new man, the new person. You've been forgiven of your sins. The Holy Spirit indwells you, and you take it home. We've been looking at that the last couple of weeks. We looked at husband-wife relationships and how the Lord affects that and how parent-child relationships and how the Lord affects that. And now he says, take it to work. Oh, wait a minute. You mean it's not just for Sunday? No, tomorrow, whenever you go to work. Take it to work. Look what he says in verse 22, chapter 3. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Help us, Lord to understand, and to take our Christianity to work. Help us to be the right kind of employee, the right kind of employer, and to mo- but ultimately realize that we serve you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. A farmer noticed a highway department truck pulling over to the shoulder of the road The driver got out and dug a hole, then got back in the truck. The passenger got out, filled up the hole with dirt, got back in the truck, they drove 50 yards. Driver got out, dug a hole, got back in the truck. Passenger got out, filled up the hole, they got back in the truck, drive another 50 yards. Farmer couldn't stand it any longer. He He met him down at the corner of the fence and he said, what on earth are you doing? And he said, we're on a highway beautification project and the guy who plants the trees is homesick today. (laughs) Young man just graduated with his MBA and he was being interviewed by the human resources director and the human resources director asked him, what kind of salary would you expect if we hired you? This young confident man confidently said, well, in the neighborhood of $100,000, depending on the benefits package. But the HR director replied, well, what would you say to a benefits package of five paid weeks of vacation, 14 paid holidays, full medical and dental, a retirement fund with a 50% company match, and a company car, say a 2020 red convertible B&W? 
This guy's mouth dropped open and he said, are you kidding? HR director said, of course I'm kidding, but you started it. <laughs> you may not be in the job that you love. You may be frustrated in your work. You may have employees that you're frustrated with. I know there are so many different scenarios to look at today. And when you think of this passage, unfortunately, many years ago, many years ago, there were people who actually used passages like this to condone slavery. After all, Paul mentions masters and he mentions slaves. And so they thought, well, it must be okay if the Bible mentions it. You do not justify that with this passage. The Bible does not justify slavery. It simply acknowledges that it existed and that people were coming to Christ in that situation, and now they're sitting in church together. You've got slaves, you've got slave owners that are sitting in church together. Another problem we have with this passage is that when we hear that masters and slaves, we automatically think of the slavery that we know about that happened many years ago in this country. And and you know, just about every country in the world has had slaves at one time of some kind. In fact, when this was written, the Roman Empire, it's estimated there were 60 million slaves, probably more than the population of Rome or, or the, the Romans. And these slaves had all different scenarios. Some of them lived in the home. Some of them taught the children. Some of them were like nannies. Some of them were treated well. Some of them were not treated well. But our concept of slavery is the awful thing that happened in our nation many years ago. That is not, I, I, want you to, I don't want you to think of that scenario here because it's not gonna fit. That was wrong, what was done in our nation. It was dead wrong. But, Paul is acknowledging to new Christians in a pagan society who've come to know Jesus, he is now acknowledging that they've come to know Christ and what, did, what are they supposed to do? And even though you may feel like a slave at your job, you're slaving away as we say, you're not a slave, you're an employer or an employee. And we can take the truths contained right here and apply them to our lives at work. So first, if we're going to take your Christianity to work, let's talk about the Christian employee. I already mentioned to you the, the millions of slaves that were in the Roman Empire, and, and now you can find them, some of them have come to know Christ, probably more slaves than masters in the church but they come to know Christ, and now they're eagerly waiting to hear this letter in Colossae that's been written by Paul to them, <clears throat> and he mentions several things that I think are worth noting for us as employees. First of all, it begins with a compliant attitude. Obey your employees in all things. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a slave in the Roman Empire and you've come to know Christ 
And you're sitting there, and maybe your boss or your master, I should say, at this time, your master's sitting there in that situation with you. You can probably think, oh, I'm so glad my master's here because I'm expecting Paul, I'm expecting this letter to say, after all, earlier he, he did say that there's no distinction. In verse 11, there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is in all, and all, Christ is in all and in all. Christ is all and in all. I'll get it out here in a minute. Can you imagine them sitting there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm so glad maybe he's going to tell all the masters to let us go, to free us. And then you hear this disappointing sigh when Paul says, bond servants, obey your master in all things. Now, wait a minute, I don't understand this. Why should I, if I'm a Christian and I'm equal before God, why should I obey my master? What if my master's not a Christian? What if, or better yet, what if he is? The word obey, we've already seen between parents and children, comes from two Greek words. One of them means to listen. The other one is under. You put yourself under the authority. He's saying, whatever your master tells you to do, do it. Unless, of course, it violates God's word or it's illegal you know, or immoral. You know what I'm talking about. Do it. Well, you can probably just hear him thinking, well, why would he tell us that? Earlier in the, in the letter and is the word submission. God has placed uh, all of us under some kind of authority. If you're an employee, you are under authority. And you're to do whatever your boss tells you to do unless it's immoral, illegal, or against God's word which they're probably not going to do that. Well, who knows? Some of, them, some of you say, but you don't know my boss. <laughs> well, if you think you have problems, imagine being a slave, being told what to do and everything. I mean, we don't even like being told to wear a mask, do we? We're so, we're so accustomed to freedoms in this country that when they tell us to, to wear a mask or whatever, we don't like it, and we gripe about it. I am not the only one in this room who's griped about that mask. <laughs> in fact, I would, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd bet everything I got that all of us in here have complained about it at some point. Don't you come up to me after church and say, I've never complained about it because I don't want to talk to any liars after the church either, after the service is over. <laughs> Can you imagine being told what to do? And, and so you're an employee and your boss tells you to do this. And, and the scripture says, because of Christ in you, take it to work. Obey them in all things. Now, Peter was even more straightforward. The fisherman, because he wrote in 1 Peter 2.18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. The application is that we're to be obedient, hardworking employees, even if our employer seems unreasonable. 
It's interesting that Paul was also concerned about the opposite situation. He said, if you have a Christian boss or a Christian master, he was talking about, he said, don't expect any special preferential treatment because you're a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. You're a Christian and they're a Christian. In fact, here's what he wrote in 1 Timothy 6, 2. And those who have believing masters... Let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. So the first thing he says is, if your boss is a tyrant or he's a Christian and you're working, you do what they say. You're compliant, you're obedient. Don't you just love it? The second thing is you're to have consistent actions. Be consistent. Verse 22, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Someone penned, ever notice that nothing makes a boss more admired than being within earshot? Howard Stein, not Stern, Stein, wrote this in a Reader's Digest. He said, a retired friend became interested in the construction of an addition to the shopping mall. Observing the activity regularly, he was especially impressed by the conscientious operator of a large piece of equipment. After many days, the day finally came when my friend had a chance to tell this man how much he had enjoyed watching his scrupulous work. And the man that operated that machinery looked astonished and asked, you're not the supervisor? <laughs> Now, we know what this is about. We know all of us have done this. Let's go back to our school days, our junior high, middle school, they call it now, our junior high days. Now, in those days, back when the Dead Sea was still sick for some of us, we had a PE uniform, physical education uniform. You had to go to the gym. You went down in the locker room. You changed into this PE uniform. You did physical education for an hour, then you hung that uniform. You didn't hang it up. You stuffed it back in the locker, and by the end of the week, that thing was rank. <laughs> but sometimes they would, we'd put on a PE uniform, and we'd go outside, and he would want us to do calisthenics, jumping jacks, push-ups, leg lifts. And if the coach was looking at you, you did them right. But if the coach started talking to somebody or turned his back, it got to be this. <laughs> Am I right? Can I get a witness here? Yeah. One man came up after the last service and he said, I cheated on the leg lifts. <laughs> well, we know what doing stuff for eye service means to be men pleasers when they're watching. He's saying, don't work this way. You're supposed to be working because you know that the ultimate boss, the Lord, is watching. And you need to give your very best. That carries into the workplace. Sometimes if the boss is around, people are working hard. Sometimes 
When he's not, they don't work very hard. Paul's saying, as a Christian, you're different now. You realize who you're really serving. You realize who the real boss is, that your life is going to honor him. Your boss ought not to have to check up on you all the time to make sure you're doing the work. You ought to be the best one. In fact, it says with sincerity of heart, with all your heart. Put your all into it. In fact, that word means with all your energy, work. God's given you a job. You have this job. Work. Don't be like the man who went to the welfare office and they asked him why he needed financial assistance. And he said, I'm having trouble with my eyes. And they said, what kind of trouble? He said, I can't see myself going to work. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people in this country like that right now. But we're supposed to work. And Paul is saying, when you go to work, put your energy into it. Work as if your boss is watching because he is. Somebody, I read this last night. It said, ponder this. If you don't know what ponder means, think of this. A bus station is where a bus stops. A train station is where a train stops. On my desk is a work station. <laughs> Got it? Mike Murdoch wrote a book entitled Secrets for Winning at Work. And he gives some practical tips for applying this principle when you're performing your work diligently. He said, first of all, hear your boss's instructions. Employers want to know they are being taken seriously when you speak. Hear your boss's instructions. Second, repeat your boss's instructions. This will clarify that you're on the same page. Third, write down your boss's instructions. A long pencil makes up for a short memory. Fourth, do what you're instructed to do. Fifth, report your activity to your boss. Sixth, become your boss's number one problem solver. <laughs> Folks, we ought to have the attitude I'm going to work, I'm working for the Lord. I'm going to be consistent in what I do. And the third thing that he mentions is there ought to be a conscious, and I also want you to write in the word continued. I didn't put that blank there. I didn't think about this till later. A continued awareness. What am I to think about? I am working for Christ. It says it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, a lot of people will run past that, but there's a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. God is our ultimate employer. That's who we work for. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, verse 24 says, millions of people in this country are working, but they don't realize they're working for the Lord, at least believers. I like what Ron Dentinger said. Millions of people in this country aren't working, and that is scary. However, the real problem is that so many of them are employed. They're not working. You're not trying to just get by. God, I work for you. The second part of this is our job is one way, one way of serving God. 
The work of God is not limited to the church. It's not limited to evangelism or, or discipleship. If you're a plumber or a manager or a school teacher or an electrician or a doctor, whatever it might be, I'm going to serve God in my vocation. It's one way that I can serve the Lord. He's the boss. I'm going to do the best I can because he's the ultimate boss. In fact, in verse 24, he said, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Man, what a difference it'd make if people worked that way. You can tell, you can tell when somebody likes their job and is doing it with all their heart and some who don't. And if we're all honest, there've been days when we've done better than others. But I want you to think for a moment that your job matters to God. It does. It matters to him. And so serve him. Have the right attitude. Maybe you don't like the place where you work. One man wrote, I had always talked about my job at home. And my young daughter had always expressed great interest. So I thought it would be a treat for her to spend the day with me at the office. Since I wanted it to be a surprise, I didn't tell her where we were going, just that it would be fun. Although usually a bit shy, she seemed excited to meet each colleague I introduced. On the way home, she seemed somewhat down. I asked, didn't you have a nice time? Well, it was okay, she said, but I thought it would be more like a circus. Confused, I said, well, whatever you mean. She said, well, you said you work with a bunch of clowns. I never got to see a one of them. <laughs> All has to do with attitude. What's Paul saying to these slaves and to us? He's saying, you may not be getting your due now. Your boss may underpay you and overwork you, but someday your Savior is going to balance the scales. He's watching. You need to continue to remember that. Someday Jesus is going to give you the reward of the inheritance. You see, Christian workers have a bonus that other people don't have. We not only receive the paycheck and the perks that go with the job, whatever it is, but we've got an inheritance one day. The sobering thought is, is that inheritance is tied to the manner and the quality of the work that we produce. Paul put it this way in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. An employer may not appreciate you, he may not be aware of the good work that you're doing, perhaps they're not paying attention, they don't give you the credit or somebody else is taking the credit. But God knows. He knows. He's your boss. Paul moves from that employee to the Christian employer. Now, I want you to imagine, you imagine that being read in the church service and there's some, there's some bosses or slave owners, masters, and then there's slaves and, and they're probably getting ready to leave thinking, man, I am so glad that he, Paul wrote that. Maybe I'll get some honest work out of the slaves and out of the workers and, 
I'm glad, but Paul said, you sit down. We're going to talk to you now. Read verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This was a revolutionary concept. Because just like fathers in the home, fathers had no responsibilities. They could do anything they want. Masters had no responsibilities to their slaves. And Paul is saying, wait just a minute. God is going to hold you accountable. Yes, your employees need to perform their work diligently. Their work is ultimately for God. But remember that you work for someone as well and you should treat your employees just like God treats you. Now, what does that mean? How does God treat us? And how does that translate into what I need to do as an employer or people, maybe you're not the owner of the business, maybe you're the manager, but you have people under your authority. Well, first of all, you need to communicate your expectations clearly. Let me ask you something. Is there any confusion in the word of God about salvation? No, God makes it real clear, doesn't he, that Jesus paid it all, that Jesus saves. Is there any question about how we're supposed to live? God's communicated clearly, hasn't he? Well, the same way, when you ask your employer to do something, you need to communicate clearly. God has given us a personnel manual. Well, we need to do the same with employees. We need to make sure they understand and we need to give reasonable or have reasonable expectations. One plumber, an old plumber, had an apprentice under him and he didn't think this young apprentice was doing enough hard work and his young apprentice was always wanting to take coffee breaks and stuff. And so he told this young apprentice one day, he said, when I was your age, when I was an apprentice, we used to lay the first two links of pipe. The boss would turn on the water and we had to stay ahead of it. <laughs> now, you know that's true, don't you? But sometimes we communicate expectations that are not reasonable. We need to clearly communicate them. The second thing, how does God deal with us? He deals with us equitably. Deal with your employees equitably. Paul said, give them what is just and fair. Now the word just carries the idea of giving employees what they deserve, what they've earned. Now slaves receive no salaries, but Paul encouraged the owners to provide for their needs and he was probably thinking of food, clothing, taking care of their health needs. And when he provided the needs of those under our supervision, we're reflecting the God that we serve who we're told in Psalms 37 says his children don't go begging for bread. In fact, Psalm 37, 25, I've been young and now old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Do you give your employees what is fair? I know all situations are different, so I'm not, I'm not the one you've got to answer to, but do you ever think about other benefits for them? Retirement, insurance, vacation time, days off, breaks during the day. I don't know what it would be, but are you just with them? Do you give them what they deserve? 
Some of you are thinking, well, if I gave them what they deserved, they wouldn't have a job. Well, I understand that, and that means you're going to need to go back and communicate clearly with them what you expect of them. You can't expect them to do better if you don't tell them what you expect. And before you fire someone, you need to give them an opportunity to improve. Sometimes we just assume they're going to know. Don't assume anything anymore. Don't assume it. You have to clearly tell them, this is what I want you to do. Do you understand any questions? And then if they don't do it, then you have to deal with that. But make sure they completely understand, but, but treat them equitably. Just give them what they deserve. If they deserve recognition, give it to them. If they deserve an accolade, give it to them. And he said, give them what is fair. That refers to equality. If you're an employer, be careful that you don't give impartial treatment based on somebody's skin color or their creed or their personality or their, their race, their religion. If they're an employee, you need to treat them fairly, equitably. I know some work harder than others. And, and to tell you the truth, there's some people that are easier to like than others, aren't there? But you still have to show no partiality. Why? That's the way God deals with us. Do you think God loves you any more than he loves anyone else in this room? Those of you who have more than one child, do you love one of them more than the other? Most of the time. I know there are days. I understand that. That's how God deals with us. Without partiality. Do you know? Do you know your employees? The owner of a manufacturing firm decided he was going to make a surprise visit to the factory. So he's walking through the warehouse. He noticed a young man who was leaning against a packing crate, just leaning up there lazily. Factory owner got mad. He said, how much are you being paid? He said, $250 a week. Owner pulled out his wallet, peeled off $250, gave it to him. He said, here's a week's pay. Now you get out and don't come back. Man put the money in his pocket and left. The warehouse manager was watching. He just stared at him with astounding. He said, the boss looked at him and said, how long has that guy been working for us? He said, he didn't work here. He's a FedEx delivery man. <laughs> he didn't even know who worked for him. Finally, as an employer, we should treat people with compassion. That's how God deals with us. God sees us more than just a tool of production. You understand what I'm saying? God's bringing his kingdom on this earth. But you and I are more than just a tool to get his kingdom here on this earth. He looks at us as children. He's forgiven us. He's given us a new life. He's had compassion on us. He's put compassion in our hearts and lives. And we're to treat people with compassion. He, God has a deep concern for you and me. 
He understands us. He knows our name. We're to have the same attitude toward our employees. We should demonstrate a concern for our employees' family or their children or their illnesses, their personal problems. These people that work for you, they have feelings. They have problems. They're struggling in areas that you may not even know about. And it's not your job to be the counselor, but if you just show a little compassion every now and then toward them, think of how God shows compassion toward you and me. If they're not doing their job, it could be your fault because you haven't clearly communicated what you want them to do. Now, if they don't do it, that's their fault. But we still treat people with compassion. (laughs) Don't be like the man, the boss who had employees, and one of his employees for 30 years, his name was Stanley Johnson, he had had never been late. He never missed a day of work, 30 years. There promptly at nine o'clock on the dot. But one day, Nine o'clock passed, 9 a.m. passed, and Johnson had not arrived. It caused a sensation at work. All work ceased, and the boss himself, looking at his watch and muttering, came out in the corridor. And finally, precisely at 10 o'clock, Stanley came in, and he, he, he punched the clock, but his clothes were dusty. He, they were torn. His face was scratched. He was bruised. His glasses were bent. He was limping painfully. He got up to the clock and he punched in and then he was aware that everybody was staring at him. And he said, look, y'all, I tripped and I rolled down two flights of stairs into the subway. I nearly killed myself. His boss skeptically said, and and to roll down two flights of stairs took you a whole hour? (laughs) I've had some bosses similar to that. But a Christian boss, not supposed to be that way. During World War I, there were two men in the same infantry and one day in the same battle, in the same trench. The, the, the battle, the, the, there was a lull in the battle and they found themselves talking about their future. One man was named Walt Disney. The other man was named Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc's the founder of McDonald's, in case you don't know who that is. Well, they talked about their futures. They both admitted to dreaming that they would create great corporations with worldwide impact, and they discussed what it would take for their new companies to succeed. And this is what they determined, these three things. Hire the best people you can and pay them well. The second thing, create a learning, creative, and expanding work environment. And third, do all you can to make them prosper personally. Now, Walt Disney's no stranger to any of us in here, neither is McDonald's. So obviously what they put into place has worked. 
Now, they're gone, and I'm not sure they would enjoy seeing what's happening to their corporations now. But, but the fact is, Paul said these same principles right here in Colossians 3. He said, if you're going to treat your employees properly, you're not only ensuring their success, but you're ensuring your success because they're going to be able to help you. So employees, I've been in that child's position before. <laughs> I knew what I was about to get in my, in my case. Only one in the back, it was on the front row out the door out were here, right? Everybody saw me. My dad's right here. He was preaching, but my mother was working on me. And I'm not saying that's what's happening there, but the fact is I understand that, and that doesn't bother me in the least. But employees being heavenly minded means you're, you're, you're doing your work as unto the Lord. So tomorrow when you go to work or whenever you go, I don't know what days you go, go with a new attitude that says, you know, Lord, thank you first of all for my job. And today I realized today that uh, I'm really working for you. So help me to represent you in all that I do. Help me to, to be honest. Help me to be give a, a full day's work. Help me to, to honor you. If you're an employer, when you go to work, remember how God treats you. In fact, he says in verse one, you also have a master in heaven. Remember how God treats you and you treat your employer, employees that same way. But folks, I want to tell you one last thing. You can't do this. You cannot do this without Jesus. Because it does not happen unless you have the, the Holy Spirit living in you to give you the patience and the long-suffering and the love and the meekness and the, and the kindness and all of that. You can't do that without Jesus. I didn't say be religious. I said you have to have Jesus. Let's go back to the song we sang right before I stepped up here. Jesus saves. And today, if you don't know Jesus. You can't be the kind of employer that you need to be. You can't be the employee that you need to be. You can't be the husband, the wife, the dad, the mom, grandparents. You can't be what God wants you to be until you have been forgiven of your sin, washed clean, and the Jesus living in you. And you can do that now. If you're watching online, you hit that connect button. If you're here, you just know that the Lord is here and you turn from your sin and say, God, I need this. I need this. And I ask you to forgive me because I believe Jesus died for my sin on the cross and was buried and rose again the third day, conquering death. And Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I, I want to live for you. And the, you know what happens? When you pray and give your life to Christ, he saves you instantly, washes you clean, gives you a new start, and you can take it to work tomorrow. He didn't make you perfect instantly, but he begins to mature you and to grow you and to change you. And people begin to notice how you're different. Something about you. You're working harder than I've ever seen you work. What's happened to the boss? He's nice or she's nice all of a sudden. I don't know how God will use it, but it starts 
by you coming to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're online, watching us, hit that connect button. There'll be people to talk with you and to pray with you right there. But the rest of us in this room, first of all, maybe we need to confess some sin about not being a very good worker, an employee. God, would you help us to remember that we work for you? Help us to remember that our job can honor you. Help us to be an influence on people around us, but most of all, Lord, to continue to serve you with our job. And Lord, those who have authority, they are employers or they're managers, I pray that you'll help them have compassion toward their people. Doesn't mean to let them not work, but it means to be more willing to be Christ-like toward them. I pray for those that need Jesus today. They, they, they're religious people. They go to church or they watch church, but they've never come to know you. Would you open their eyes today to the vacuum, the emptiness in their life that can only be filled with you, Lord? There may be some, Lord, who need a church, and if this is the place you want them to come, then you bring them here there's anything else on their heart, Lord, I, I ask you, Lord, to be with our bosses. Men or women that have authority over us, would you, would you lead and guide them? I pray for the leadership of our city and our nation, our state. Help us, Lord, though, as workers to work heartily as unto the Lord. And as managers and employers to have compassion just like you have compassion toward us. And right now, while your heads are still bowed, would you pray for your boss, whoever that might be right now? And if you're a, an employer, would you pray for your employees? Lord, help us to represent you in the marketplace, in the workforce. If you're watching online, you hit that connect button and you can indicate any decision that you're making. If you're in this room, you can take that communication card and put on there, this is my decision today or my prayer request today. And you can drop that in the box as you leave today. And after we're dismissed, there are pastors here at the front to pray with you about anything in your heart and life. It doesn't necessarily mean you work, but, you can, but they can pray with you or help you with any decision. If you want to join, if you want to be saved, whatever, they can, they can help you. So Lord, we thank you today for your word and we thank you that we can serve you every day of our life, whatever, you, whatever we do. Pray you let the Christian workforce be seen and noticed and influence others to want to know you more. 
And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.